What is up, podcast universe? This is the Not Allowed Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan. This is the place where each week we take a deep dive into Jesus's hot take on faith, church, and pop culture. With me, as always, is Jared, Heather, and Carissa. And on today's episode, we're discussing anxiety and depression. Now, it's no secret that the church has not done a great job at addressing the issue of anxiety and depression. Unfortunately, uh, if a Christian is going through this, they suffer in silence. And so today, we want to have an honest conversation about how we've dealt with it, and hopefully we can offer some hope to somebody who's going through it right now. Well, today, Jared, I want to start with you. Um, I know a little bit about your uh, journey and struggle with anxiety, um, but we want to get to know uh, your story completely and fully today. Right. (laughs) Well, I will say right off the bat that if I could pick one word to describe my whole life thus far as a constant theme, it is anxiety. Hmm. and I, I never remember, I don't remember a time where I wasn't dealing with this. So I was a nail biter mm-hmm. in kindergarten, mm-hmm. like started real early, just being super anxious all the time. Um, and that just followed me, you know, into school, social situations always, you know, gave me, you know, major problems. A ton of it was in school. So middle school, high school, ton of anxiety. Um, I remember a time, I've shared the story quite a bit, that um, for a a season, a very long season, I was so anxious and self-conscious, I would wear the same gray jacket Mm -hmm. to school every day. Um, It was like a straight jacket, you know, for me, just like spiritually. Yeah. and I would wear it all the time in the in June, July, you know, in the Ooh. dead heat of summer. Jared could be found with this gray jacket on, and it was a security blanket. It was yeah. the only, It was just a thing I held on to to make me feel comfortable um, and calm those nerves when I was around people. Um, and so, yeah, my whole life, just school into married life, just anxious in mm. church leadership, anxiety ridden still to this day. Um, y'all know probably the, the back end, all of you know fairly well, the back end of the story, just my life right now, that there are times when I find it very hard to get on a stage and preach or, you know, do a lot of different things. And it's all due to the anxiety mm-hmm. that I, um, that I feel, I know, I remember specifically when y'all two came on in what, 2018, mm-hmm. it was probably the second or third conversation. Yeah. I just had to tell y'all that, <laughs> um, I'm not preaching right now because I'm, I'm have too much anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's just something I've always dealt with. I'm very familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember a time in my life that yeah I, has it has it gotten worse since you've taken over church leadership? Oh here? yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we see like too often you just see stories of these pastors um, that they've been struggling with it si- silently, and mm-hmm. they either have a huge moral failure or we see that they've committed suicide. Yes, and. Um, there's something about church leadership that uh, it's just it just weighs very very heavily on people. Um, can you talk into that a little bit? Yeah, the I mean the overwhelming pressure that came with yeah. leading was enough to for me to experience a whole new level of anxiety. Just yeah. decision making, having to be the person who's having to tell people things and have the final say, just all of that is super, you know, overwhelming. Does it, does it give you anxiety to like admit to people that you have struggled with anxiety as a pastor? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're not really supposed to be dealing with that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's not an easy thing to even talk about. Even right now, like I'm I'm thinking people are going to hear this, you know, and for some reason, I don't know if it's cultural or where it comes from. It's just not a good thing to deal with anxiety. It's definitely a mark against you Mm -hmm. to be dealing with these things. I, I know that I don't know too much about like the clinical side of all of this. Maybe I'll have some, you know, a little bit more insight, but I have, I think I've heard that you can't really have anxiety without the depression part of it. Hmm. Um, because for a, a long time I, I felt like I didn't resonate so much with depression mm-hmm. as I did with the anxiety. Yeah. But then I feel like someone has, has told me that, it's really well. I think I think it's, um, and we can check this later. But I think it's when anxiety left untreated, it will always go into depression. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's probably been times where I have been depressed, yeah. and mm-hmm. I just haven't wanted to admit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have certainly my entire life to date. So it's yeah. not even something I've completely it's not like something gotten you rid of. Conquered yet. No, no. Yeah. By, in no way would I say I've conquered, overcome, yeah. you know, defeated this thing. It's mm-hmm. just a part of my life. Yeah. You know, for better or for worse, yeah. it's there. Right. So it's just finding healthy ways to cope. Yeah. Instead of unhealthy ways. Unhealthy ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well we can get into that more later. Uh yeah. Heather, can I share your story? Yeah, can I hear your story? <laughs> Um, well, for, for me, I think that my anxiety stems from the fact that I am a peacemaker. So conflict, mm-hmm. any type of conflict really stirs up my um, anxiety. And I can trace it all the way back to, um, to my childhood, to different um, you know, arguments that I overheard and things like that, where I can, I can literally remember the feeling uh, those anxious feelings to this mm-hmm. day, like related to memories that I have. And so I know that for, my, for myself, when my anxiety gets really hard to handle, it's when I'm in the midst of some sort yeah. of conflict and I having gotcha. to try to work mm. that out. Mm. Um, for me personally, I have um, experienced depression and I don't even know that I knew it yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in my 20s, I was probably 22, 23. I was a single mom right. living on my own, doing the whole thing. And there was a distinct period of time that I can remember where I was literally just going through the motions of life. Like mm. I could barely make myself, um, you know, just get out of bed, go to work. Mm take care of my child and do this thing over and over again. And Mm -hmm. when I look back on that time and look back at um, how my life was during that time, Mm -hmm. I can distinctly see that it was depression and and that I could not move past that, um, just that feeling of not being able to, to progress in life more than just the day to day, like struggling to just do the things that you have to do in order to, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your family. So, Um, so that's my experience with depression and, um, I have no, I don't know that I've had that same level, Mm -hmm. um, since that time, but definitely I think it's a struggle that, um, for myself, it's like, I know that anxious thoughts and, and that are like always, it's always just right there waiting. It's just waiting Mm. for the next, the next conflict, the next thing that is, I kind of have that anxious tummy right now, actually. Just talking about it is making me like, Yeah, oh, I felt that I too. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't I like didn't this. think that was going to be there, but you then know I'm what? like, Honestly, yikes. I've been kind of observing the whole table. I think every single one of us is there right now. We're all doing these little things that I think because anxiety has hit every single one of us and talking about it, talking about it makes us feel anxious. <laughs> anxious. Right? Yeah. It's like starting it all up mm. again. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like, well, I want to point out, you said you, when you were struggling with depression, you didn't really know that what was going on. And I think you know, like so often we're taught how to recognize physical Ill, illnesses yes. yeah. in ourselves like oh you know women check for a lump um you know there's different things we have a head cold you might have a headache we can recognize those things but we're not really taught right. um no. what are the signs yeah. of depression no. mm-hmm. you know and i think it just 
especially just a few years ago, it you 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 didn't hear people talk about that that very often. No. It's just now coming out um, where people are willing to talk about it. It's not that taboo of a thing to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's exciting. Um, but also it's like, you just hear these story after story of like, Oh yeah, she struggled with depression her entire life. And we didn't, we didn't know. Yeah. Well, I think if you had asked me two years ago, Hey, mm-hmm. do you want to share your story about anxiety or depression? I'd have been like, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Never dealt with it. Just because <laughs> it's like something that is so, for so long was looked at yeah. in such a negative light that we, you would just hold on to it. Like you don't want people to see um, that there's any weakness mm-hmm. or anything like that in you. And, and then, I mean, exactly. we can get into dig into the church world and how that all yeah. works there too. But mm-hmm. I think even just in um, out in the world, as a whole, yeah. you did not want people to know that you no. sh- had any struggle, any weakness. Like right. we got to put out yeah. this perfect yeah. picture for people to see. So. Yeah. Can you imagine it'd be like, mm-hmm. it, it would be like somebody um, trying to hide the fact that they got like a cold or like strep throat and be like, mm-hmm. uh, no, no, I'm good. I, I don't have, <coughs> I don't have, I don't, yeah. nothing's wrong. I mean, it's the same thing, but some, for some reason in our minds and our experiences, we don't view mental health no, on the same a, level there as is a, physical health. There's a self-assigned level of guilt and shame yeah. yes. that just almost feels natural. I don't even yeah. know if it's something you have to be taught because we just all felt that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We all feel like it's unacceptable. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't know why because research has been there. I can remember like watching Oprah in high school and them, her having a doctor on that talks about how important your mental state is to your physical health, how your mental, how you think can affect your body and your immune system and all this. Like we've known this for so long, but yet nothing has really changed. Right. I think a lot of it too is, is a lack of understanding um, like you said, with physical health, it's so much easier to see the symptoms, so therefore it's easier to treat the symptoms. Yeah. But when it's internal, so much of the time, you yourself don't know how to communicate it, especially if it's something that you've dealt with your entire life. Mm. It's normal. You think everybody feels this way. Everybody mm. has to deal with this. Yeah. So how do you communicate what you're feeling when you don't know the difference between that and mm. healthy thoughts? Yeah, that's true. Yes. It is true. And I have a thought, but I think I'm going to save it because we're going to talk about the practical help in a little while. Well, I think that uh, leads right into your story, Chris. So go ahead and share your story. Uh, So I, like Jared, struggled with anxiety. Um, Well, really it was just school. I think um, as a kid before school, I didn't, I was super carefree, very, you know, very much a free spirit. Um, And then middle school happened and um there was a lot of anxiety tied to that um and it went into high school and I still struggle with anxiety today um and I think a lot of for me you know we just talked about how it is natural to kind of not uh want to deal with it I think it does in in society and and I don't know so much in society now but in the church still it's seen as a sign of weakness when you struggle with anxiety or depression um or a sign of lack of you know like you don't have enough faith you're not praying hard enough um and so you just get really good at uh, masking it mm-hmm. you get really good at telling yourself that you're fine um that telling yourself that this is normal Mm -hmm. um or you uh beat yourself up and tell yourself that you don't have enough faith that you don't love god enough trust god enough um or you you're not strong enough you're Mm -hmm. not as strong as everybody else um so those are some of the reasons that i didn't deal with my anxiety but also um i grew up a very sensitive person um very very sensitive as a child um, definitely wore my heart on my sleeve. Um, I'm still a sensitive person, um, but I wasn't taught on how to. I wasn't taught how to cope with my sensitive nature, mm-hmm. um, simply because my my family didn't know how to um, cope with it themselves. Yeah. Um, and so I was just told by the people around me to just get over it, um, to 
just pray harder, to just trust God harder, um, trust God more. And so that's what I told myself into my adulthood as well. Um, and then I had, uh, my, my child (laughs) and then the hormones really took over and I had severe postpartum depression and, um, I still kind of for a really long time just kept telling myself that, um, it would pass, just ignore it, just ignore it. Don't, um, don't feed into it. Don't talk about it. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't do it and it, and it got really bad. And for the first time in my life, I really, uh, wanted to hurt myself. I really wanted to feel, um, just any type of relief from the depression. Um, and I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't, um, had no, I felt no joy from my son, from my husband, from the things that brought me such joy, um, before and do now. Um, I, I was just in a really, really dark, I mean, the best way it's just, it's just darkness. It just felt like just this black cloak was over me and it was the filter that I saw life through was all of a sudden this, this darkness. And, um, because I was a worship leader and married to uh, a worship pastor and from a family of ministers, um, I think I put even more pressure on myself to mm-hmm. figure it out on my own, to just pray harder, to write more, to, uh, you know, see right. the flowers and journal and, more. Yeah, journal mm-hmm. more and, and play with my son more and just yeah. thinking that all of that was going to help. Um, and it just, didn't um I I I could not overcome it um there wasn't just wasn't enough (laughs) vacation days there wasn't enough Mm. there wasn't enough uh you know giggles from my son there just wasn't I could not overcome it and um I uh just I think the darkest one of the darkest uh moments was just being needing to go uh to gosh I'm like feeling so anxious just like reliving it as I'm thinking about it Um, but I just went into the bathroom and I turned all the lights off and I put a towel over my head and I just, I, I didn't, thank God I didn't do it, but I, I was imagining, um, you know, hurting myself just because that was the only type of mental relief that I felt like I could, Mm -hmm. I could have, um, because I was so anxious and I was so deeply depressed. Um, so that's my story. (laughs) So to not leave it on those kind of uh, downward notes, you are, uh, currently getting Yeah. Help, so if we want to talk, if we want to talk, I didn't, I didn't know if we wanted to. I mean, I know that you are cause I'm your husband. <laughs> I don't, I didn't know if we wanted to go straight into that, but yeah. yeah. I think so. Um, so if we want to talk about the things that I have done mm-hmm. to overcome my, uh, depression, um, I asked for help Yeah. and I, told the people in my life, I, I started saying what I needed. Yeah. I started being honest with myself and saying, just saying the words and realizing I'm depressed. I, I, I am living with depression right now and it's okay. Yeah. And I know we've talked about a little bit about our experiences in the church and I'm sure we'll talk uh, more about it. Um, but I, you know, went to you, my husband. It's so weird talking to you as a host <laughs> slash husband. Um, but I, I just got really honest about the things that I needed, the things that I was feeling. Got honest with myself was the very first thing that I had to do. I was finally able to say, and I wrote it down, and I still read it when I, when I feel myself going back to that place, um, that I am depressed and I love Jesus. I am depressed and I trust God. That's good. I am depressed and I am a Christian. Yeah. Um, and I, it was like, you know, pulling teeth to get myself to admit yeah. that. Um, but once I did, I really did feel such a weight lift um, off of me because I, I gave myself permission yeah. to feel the feelings that were there. Um, I think Satan really loves to work in shame and guilt. And I think he gets away with it a lot in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I realized that he was the one um, that was making me feel all this guilt and shame, well, not just him, myself mm-hmm. too, um, 
it wasn't from God. It wasn't, right. I, you know, God wasn't telling me, you don't really love me. You're not really my servant because you're feeling depressed and yeah. you're feeling anxious. Yeah. When I realized that it wasn't him, I was able to be honest with myself and able yeah. to be honest with him. And then I was able to be honest with the people that were close to me. Um, and so from there, honest with myself. Um, and from there, I, I got honest with my husband and telling you, um, the things that I was feeling and the things that I was thinking and the things that I, that I wanted to do to be mm-hmm. free of this. And, um, I'm lucky enough to have you, uh, push that pushed me towards, um, counseling and, um, pushed me towards, um, natural supplements. I, I, I did take after Josiah, I did take, um, some, um, prescribed medication and it just didn't last. Um, and I, I do think that's also worth mentioning that for a lot of people that is what you need to do. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to be in the church and to, to be in the faith and to love God, but to also need some prescribed medication mm-hmm. because it's chemical yeah. and it's hormonal. Um, and that's not said enough in the church. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, I'm, I'm just now seeing, uh, I'm just now on the other side of depression, mm-hmm. uh, finally and really and truly. And it's, it's, taken me asking for help, me being honest with myself and me saying what I needed and that being okay, not feeling bad about saying what I needed. This is what I need to find freedom from this darkness. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah. Well, I think we need to go ahead and go into the next, the next point here because you're kind of stepping all over it. I know I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of hard not to. Yeah. But so depression, anxiety in the church um, has been a very poorly addressed topic. Um, like you were saying, it's really awful that you had to get to the point where you, you had to write, I am depressed and still love Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um so let's talk about our experiences in the church with how anxiety and depression has been addressed. Can I start? Yeah, I'll start. For sure. So I remember a sermon from a pastor um, just a few years ago uh, where, and I don't remember, I don't remember the, the main topic or the main point, but I remember him talking about how many people are on anxiety and depression medicine and how many, and like basically the thing was like, they shouldn't be, they just need to trust Jesus more. Oh, Jesus help me. Yes. So Jared, I think you, did you have a, yeah, I have plenty of thoughts. on. Yeah, that. go ahead. Go ahead. Because you know, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give the guy props because that's true. We should all trust Jesus more. And that might cure a lot of things. Yeah. But the the thing is, is that when we only look at this one issue of anxiety and depression and say those things, it becomes real weird because uh, the guy who said that, I'm sure, was probably taking ibuprofen every time he had a headache, too. Mm. So, yeah, if you trust Jesus more, maybe you, maybe you won't have headaches. Maybe you won't get cancer. Maybe you won't have anxiety. Maybe you won't get divorced. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... That, yeah, of yeah. course. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But it, for some reason, we've taken the anxiety and depression thing and made it a faith issue. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is it's all a faith issue. Yeah. Of course it's all a faith issue. That's the war that we're in every day is to trust Jesus more and to go to God you know, as our sole you know, source of peace and joy and comfort and direction. Like That's, yeah. the, that's the name of the game here. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing. But the the part that's not okay is the condemnation, because yeah. that's not something that God has given us. Right. The it, you know you said that the devil was coming at you with the shame and guilt, and unfortunately he has people to help him do that, right. to pour on that shame yeah. and guilt, and it's just not okay. No, it's not okay that we have singled this out right. as the one thing that you should be able to get over right? that you can pray yourself out of. Right. I'm just of the mind that if we're going to say it about this, we have to say it about everything. Mm. And I'm not willing to look at some people that are suffering and say that I'm not right. willing to do that. Well, I mean, it's proven that we say they're, you know, mental disorders because they are, but 
it's it's the physical thing, the physical chemical makeup of the brain that is different in a, in a lot of anxiety and depression disorders. Right. It's not just oh, it's not stinking thinking. It's not just no. the way you're thinking no. is wrong. It's the literal chemical makeup of the brain is different. Right. And if we can see malfunctions in the body in a plethora of other places mm-hmm. and be totally okay and which I am totally okay with people seeking treatment for all of those things, mm-hmm. then the mind is no yeah. different. Right. And the, yeah. and the thing is too, the fact that the church has made it a different thing, a separate thing than right. the rest of these, that's why it's so prevalent. It's yeah. so prevalent in society. And I believe in the church, yeah. just like all four of us in here represent yeah. a, a large part of the church of people who are struggling with anxiety, Mm -hmm. which will eventually, if left untreated, uh, lead to depression, and they're not dealing with it. They don't even know um, the signs. They may not even know they have it. They they certainly don't know how to deal with it. And if they they get to that place where they recognize it, they want to deal with it, they don't have permission to be honest about it with the people that they love and that are supposed to love them. I want to give you some stats real quick. Anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults age 18 and older. Um, That's 18.1% of the population. And anxiety disorders are very treatable, um, yet only 36.9% of those suffering actually receive treatment. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the church is one less place now, Mm -hmm. for the most part, that you can go to be given some good direction, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and find the tools you need. Yeah, and that might be the saddest thing at, of all is the place where we should be able to go to get help when we aren't feeling right, when we're not feeling like ourselves, when we are having um, anxious thoughts, we're suffering from depression. The, pl- the one place we should be able to go, the safest place we should be able to go should be the church, but unfortunately, the church as a whole has not made that true. Mm-hmm. So we, ha- we g- the world is safer. It's yeah. safer to go out into yeah. the world and talk to other people than it is to talk yeah. to the people in your church. And who- just now, mm-hmm. the world. Yes. Because yes. as we yeah. said a minute ago, that wasn't the case. But now the world is even ahead of the church in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just, that's just sad. It is sad. I mean, and that it- is mm-hmm. just sad because Absolutely. the church should be the place, the safest place to come to. Right. With things that are bothering, and that's a whole another topic. That's a whole another episode. Yeah. But also, I think another rabbit trail. I think it's worth saying that people in the church, especially ministers and pastors, that when people are honest about mental health issues and they do come to them, it's okay for them to say, "Hey, I'm going to refer you." to someone who can really help you. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to refer you to someone who has a degree in this, who knows exactly what you need and the things that you need to hear. And I think in a lot of in a lot of uh, churches around this country, maybe a lot of pastors feel like they're they're always supposed to have the answers. They can't refer anybody anywhere else. Um, and that's just crazy. Yeah. Well, and it's like just now, I mean, uh, it was last year or this year, it was like two pastors had already yeah, two. died because mm-hmm. they, they committed suicide because they couldn't mm-hmm. they couldn't take it. Right. Um, and for church leaders, like we were just saying that a minute ago, so I don't know how many times I've just been told, oh, like, get over it. Mm-hmm. Or you can do this. Yeah. Or just shrug it off. It's not that. It's not no. that. We wouldn't say that about anything else, no. anything else, you know, that would be offensive to say that to, to someone who was suffering from a, a disease, yeah. you know, someone cancer. who had cancer comes yeah. in and you say, just, you know, it, shrug it off. Come on, get and over it. Shouldn't, it. It shouldn't have to get to the place of suicidal thoughts. No, it shouldn't. Mm-mm. And, and for so many people in order to get help, to right. ask for help, that's the place they have to be. And that's where I had to be mm-hmm. when I was, fantasizing about not being alive anymore, how much I would want to not be alive as a person who 
has been in church and in the faith my entire life, I should not have had to get to that point. Right. I should have been able to way before then saying, hey, I'm having some real dark feelings and some real dark thoughts that are real consistent, and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. I need help. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to not be that yes. place. And I know a lot of other churches that are trying to not be that place. Yeah. They're trying to be a place where you can come for hope and healing and you know someone to walk alongside you a place where you can share, where you can say what you're feeling and not feel like you're going to be condemned or sent to hell over it. Or laughed off. Or laughed off. I can't tell you how many times when I was that sensitive uh, preteen and teenager, when I actually did summon the courage to make just a comment, you know, just a, a, a passing comment. And it was never taken seriously by anyone. It was, it was always, Oh well, huh, you're just yeah. too sensitive. You just gotta get over it. Right, just yeah. don't think about it. Yeah. And you know what? And I and I did want to <laughs> say this, and maybe this there's a different part, better part. I'm sorry, I'm not doing this in the right order, but <laughs> I did want to say that for anybody that's listening, if you know or if you are coming on the other side of depression, you've done, you you've asked for help, you've told the people that you need to tell what you need. Um, you've gone to counseling, you're, 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 you're doing all the things that you can. If you are on that other side of depression, there are still going to be days where you feel yourself being pulled back into that Mm -hmm. dark place. And on those days where you can, then you can start to choose happiness. Then you can start to choose a better way to think, but there are still, there's going to be days, there's going to be other days where you can't choose happiness and that's okay too. And those are the days where you can just be honest with yourself and be honest with those around you. Yeah, and if you're listening, also know you're not a second class Christian. Yes. Absolutely, yes. you're not Absolutely. a second class Christian for you know, having to. I just deal with heard, this. and I, I haven't looked this up or anything about it, but Charles Spurgeon dealt with depression for hmm. most of his adult life. Yeah, it, I think we'd be shocked to know how many church leaders yeah. have. Right. Well, let's get into some practical helps. And I, I do want to um, go... I want to speak from someone who loves someone with depression. Um, you know, before you put a name on it, depression um, can be something very frustrating for a partner. Um, but once you have a name for it, um, it, it makes it easier to deal with. Um, not, not like it's, Oh, this is so good. I'm okay now. But once right. you, <laughs> once you're like you, and then you have to take yourself out of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, for so long in our marriage, bef- especially before, um, we knew it was depression. I thought it was about me. Like if I could have done something better, if I could have been better, you know, maybe she would be happy. Um, and that's just not the case, especially when it comes to depression and severe depression. I just had to be there to support, um, to listen, and then put her into gear, you know, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to get you help. We're going to get you counseling. Because that's you know? also worth saying, if you are, if you, you know, are in that really deep, dark depression, and unfortunately you haven't been able to um, get out of it before it got to that point. Once it gets to that point, you're not going to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just go get help. You're (laughs) going to need someone to literally take you by the hand and pull you and say, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's from my perspective. Um, Jared, what what have you done to deal with anxiety? Okay, well, I'll say this as we like move into talking about the help and the practical stuff is that you do need help. It's not something you're you're going to do alone, should do alone mm-hmm. at all. Um, you you really have to throw yourself on people who can help bear the the weight and the burden. And I'm glad you mentioned the like the view of the supporter. Because it does, once you know what's happening, it does free you up. It's really frees you up to be the support, to have the empathy, to have the understanding that you need to be who you need to be. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to be the hero in this situation. You know, it's not all hinging on you now. Now you get to be a support and a guide and, and actually be helpful. I do think, though, 
I think tons more people deal with anxiety than they, than they even know, mm-hmm. you know, and I think the biggest help is to figure out what's causing the anxiety. Like, ang- like anxiety is not the problem. That's mm-hmm. just how it's presenting itself. Mm-hmm. As you've even heard, like around the table today, what triggers Heather's anxiety is conflict. Mm-hmm. What triggered my anxiety as a child was separation. Mm-hmm. My earliest, it was separation anxiety. Okay. And I brought a lot of that with me. And it, it was, it's different for you. What triggers anxiety? But the whole thing is, it's one thing to treat the anxiety, which we should do. And I'm totally for some medications um, that don't, you know, that aren't addictive or, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's, a, there's certain kinds that are yeah. good than that I've personally been on. Mm-hmm. And so that is good to treat the anxiety right now. But to be able to treat the anxiety long term, you need to get to the root of mm-hmm. where what triggered this. What what where did this come from? Yeah. And that's going to be different for everybody. Yeah. What got them here? And you know what? You really do need the counselor or the therapist to it's walk so, you back to that place. Right? Yep. You really do. I've yeah. cried in you know a, a counselor's office when I finally figured out where the anxiety came from. Yeah. And now when I feel the feelings, I don't just think about the feelings. I think right. about this is what's causing this right now. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling I'm feeling triggered right now. Yeah. I know that's like, you know, a yeah. cliche thing yeah. now, but mm-hmm. it is it's something a button was pushed. Yeah. Conflict in Heather's life is the button. But now Heather knows it's conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I gotta look out for that. Mm-hmm. I can find better ways, healthier ways to cope with feeling conflict. And the same goes for me and everybody. Mm-hmm. But you got to know. Like, yeah. if you don't know what it is, right. it's hard. Yeah. It is hard to overcome. It's, yeah. it's yeah. like we were just saying before, when you don't know what it is, how do you overcome it? Right. Um, and I, I have a list on my phone. <laughs> Since I've been in counseling, and Lord knows this is a long list. Yeah, it could <laughs> but, be multiple things. Yeah. Um, and not just a list of triggers, but also I have uh, mantras, sayings right. yes. that when I do... Feel triggered for lack of a better phrase. Right. Um, I can say those mantras in my head over and over because I know the things that cause me to go in that dark place. Yeah. And so I can pull myself, as soon as I start to go in there, I pull myself right back out. Yes. And there's tons of things, and which is why therapists are helpful, counselors. Yes. I've been taught breathing techniques yes. to try. I've been taught some ways to distract your brain. You know, yeah. of like when you're in that moment of anxiety, look around the room and find five things and name what color they are yes. just to get your brain away from yes. what you're overthinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, but the thing is, you, you'll never know. You'll never know yeah. any of those techniques, mm-hmm. any of those things you can do without the help. And so you got, you got to get the help. Yeah. Yeah. Heather, do you have any practical advice? Um, I would say invite someone else into into your feelings. Yeah. Like even if if heading to a counselor is not the first thought that you have, talk to someone you trust and just let them know what it, what you're feeling because sharing that lifts some of the burden that you have on yourself and it mm. allows you to normalize it and mm. not feel like you're so mm. far out mm-hmm. from. Yep everyone else that no one else is is experiencing or dealing with it. And Mm -hmm. they might not be dealing with it in the same way you are, but just knowing that other people like knowing that my friend, uh, Jared has anxiety too, and that I can talk to him if I'm feeling anxious thoughts like that is freeing to me to know that I don't have to shoulder it all by myself. Mm -hmm. I don't have to keep it all hidden and bottled away. And I think that's the whole point in this podcast is kind of to just be like, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to keep it hidden. It's not something to be ashamed of. Yeah share it with someone else and let them help you carry your burden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember a time when Carissa was teaching, she was uh, a theater teacher for a little bit. Um, One of her students came up to me and they knew that I was a a pastor. Uh, They came up to me and said, Hey, I'm feeling really anxious. Give me a word of encouragement to get me out of it. And I was like, I ain't got nothing for you because there's no, there's no just like quick little fix. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and a great thing to say. Right. Is that don't try and go at this looking for the magic the bullet. quick fix because there's not. It's not there. It's, yeah. and it, it's really all, all above, yeah. all, all 
the above. Yeah, and I think they asked me that probably because they knew the church was like, this is how we deal with anxiety and depression. We have a quick little word, yeah. and then you should be good. You right. should be, no. Jesus loves you, don't be anxious. Yeah. No, when it comes like, to this, you, you need to go after all the things. Right. Pray, yes, you should pray. Counselors, yes, have a counselor. Therapist, yes, go get a, a therapist. Read your Bible more, yes, do that. Yes. Medication, probably so. Yes. It's yeah. all the things. Yeah, I, I mean, I, attack I, it. Absolutely, and I think that's, if if someone is listening who is who's in the midst of anxiety, um, and or depression, know you're not alone. Oh, yeah. Know that there are are ways to get out of it. This is does not have to be your life. Right. This does not have to be the way you live. You do not just have to, uh, you know, deal with it or get used to it. Um, there is freedom. But also that freedom might take some time to find. Mm-hmm. It might It might take... There's a process, mm-hmm. and all the things that we've mentioned are things that you can do, try, try again. Right. Um, but I think the f- very first thing is talking about it. Yeah, that is, that's the first step. Absolutely. And knowing you're not alone. Yes. And the best thing is even Jesus knows your pain. Yes. Yeah. Because in the garden, mm-hmm. he, was, mm-hmm. he was so anxious that he was sweating drops of blood. He was so worried and overcome with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So even the Savior knows what it's like to suffer from anxiety. And if Jesus can... If Jesus can be Savior with anxiety, Mm -hmm. we can be Christian with anxiety, Mm -hmm. have faith with anxiety, and have a great life in light of it as well. Uh, So moving forward, what should the church do how should well let me reframe rephrase that how does the church need to address depression anxiety moving forward what is the best way the best way in yeah. the words of Aaron Burr uh, talk less smile more s- listen more <laughs> <laughs> just quit quit talking yeah, so almost much. That, that's what I, that's where I'm after the end of this I'm like man if if there's n- never another sermon about anxiety and depression, I think that might be for the best. Yeah, because we just said it. Like, the what's the first step? Y'all, uh, all of us kind of mentioned the first step is talking about it. Mm-hmm. And to talk about it means someone's got to listen. Right. So, church, for yeah. the love of God, yeah, be s- at least someone that's yeah. available to just listen. Absolutely. And if I think... If churches have the the funds and the resources, hire a licensed counselor, therapist, oh, yeah. whatever to have on staff. That yeah. would be amazing. I, I really wish people wouldn't, if they're not qualified, if they're not a licensed counselor or therapist. Right. You know, I'm a pastor. Um, I don't think that should give you the. No. You don't have to have all the answers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you probably you should don't. say, "Hey, let's get you to a." A mental health professional. Right. Have resources. And that's okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean God's not good enough. Right. Pastor. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That doesn't mean you failed in any way. You, that just means you're using wisdom and you're going to help someone find everything they need. Yeah. And you'll be a part of that too. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I think church leaders should know is that it is ultimately up to the individual to want to find mm, that good. freedom, want to uh, do the work, go to the counselors, um, figure out what they need to find freedom. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah. not on all it's not all on your shoulders. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. good. That's good. Uh, so wrapping up, if you are out there and you're struggling with anxiety and depression, please, please, please get help. Um, there's many places uh, to call. Um, there's countless online. Um, you can do mobile sessions with therapists all across the country. Um, so they are out there. And maybe we'll include some of those resources yeah, we can in, the in the show notes. We can put some links um, and stuff. And uh, I know, I'll just say the, the one that we use um, gave us a discount. Like a scholarship? Yeah, like a scholarship yeah. thing. So Yeah, it, there's stuff out it's, there. It's there's out, stuff there, out there, um, and it's getting easier every, every single day. Yeah.
Well, let's end on a high note today. Um, been a heavy topic, uh, but let's go ahead and get into our tops and our snots. Again, if you have to ask, you won't get it. All right, tops and snots. Let's start with Miss Heather. Uh, let me hear your snot. Uh, okay, so my snot is the insane shipping times. I am so tired <laughs> of my Amazon Prime saying it's going to take more than two days. Oh, I pay for no. Shipping, pay for two-day shipping. You should get two-day two shipping. I mean, honestly, I'm just, I understand, you know, COVID is a thing and it slowed things down. But can, we're like six months into this thing. Can we not figure out how to ship again? <laughs> Two-day shipping. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. <laughs> the people that have same-day delivery are probably like, what's the deal? Where's <laughs> right. my same-day delivery? Okay. Right. <laughs> mm. So frustrating. Yeah. All right. What first, about your top? First world problems. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. <laughs> Okay, so my tops is the Billy Razor, which is a subscription. It's a, a razor for women. Um, it's a subscription. It costs like nine bucks a month or something like that, and you can delay it. But what I love about it is the fact that it is it comes. It's so inexpensive because I don't know if you know that. You, especially you guys probably don't. We know don't. This. You can. Uh, you, but you, there right. is this thing called like a pink tax, and so what that means is that things that are made for women usually typically cost more than the <gasps> counterpart of male co- counterpart. No. Yeah, it's a thing. You should look it up. Tax? Yeah, I mean, oh, that's wow. probably I heard about technical. this. I thought it was I thought it was the singer. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably I mean, okay. like I don't know if that's a technical <laughs> term, but it is proven that products that are marketed oh. to women typically cost what? more than the male counterpart product. Just so, add it to the list, ladies. Yeah. I mean, we could go on and on, but Ooh. the Billy Razor, it's super <laughs> nice. It comes with two um, two cartridges, whatever. I think Lindsay's and, used that, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's super nice, and it's pink, but it does not cost an arm and a leg. So mm, There you go. Yeah, love it. It's Only really pink, great or do you have different? No, there's a couple colors okay, cool. you can choose from. That's good. All right, Carissa. Okay. It's not. Give me your snot, snot first. All right. So um, my snot today is we're talking about more, <laughs> more oppression on the women. Um, women's pocketless apparel. Okay. Golly. Some women, I think a large am- a, a amount of women would say that they don't want to carry their purse everywhere. Um, especially if they're wearing active wear or leggings, they're not, you know, going to be taking their purse with them places. So we need pockets. Okay. We have things we need to carry. We would like the convenience of sticking it in a pocket. Y'all might need to do a spinoff podcast on all these women oh issues. Gosh, like, we could. Yeah. This, <laughs> we really could. I mean, this is why women get excited when a dress has pockets. Because yes. For you guys, I'm sure everything you own has pockets. But for Every us, thing. no pockets. Well, my boxer okay. briefs don't have pockets. <laughs> well, okay. So. <laughs> just like, I got you there. Just no. moving on. Um, yeah, it's it's not, it is it is ridiculous that it's 2020. Yeah. And I still have to ask my husband to yeah. carry my phone with I, him when we go to I places. I agree. Well, Carissa, I feel like. I would love more <laughs> women's pockets because I am tired of carrying women's things in my pocket. I feel like. Women's a, things? What other women's <laughs> things are you carrying in your um, pocket? Um. Do you make him carry your lipstick? (laughs) I don't carry my lipstick, but if I did, yes. I feel like there is some innovative things happening, though, in the world of women. Because I feel like just yesterday I saw a lady pull her cell phone out of her brassiere. (laughs) You know what? That's called a self-made pocket. (laughs) And that's been happening for years. And I will say that it's not preferable for people especially of of uh, the younger generation doesn't want to be hanging <laughs> stuff in their oh. top part of their body mm. understood yeah if you ever worked uh retail oh, you've seen you've that. seen that yeah, sure. yeah. money's that coming money out of there out and you're like mm, no Not, it's a hot, uh, hot you're gonna have to go and get <laughs> some yeah. fresh out of the atm <laughs> 
<laughs> it's always on a hot day, too. Always. It's always on a oh, hot, hot sweaty day. Sweaty money. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Moving on. All right, on. please give me your tops for the love. <laughs> My top. <laughs> My top also has um, something to do with, I think, female empowerment. Um, it is a show um, on, I think, TLC. It's called, it's, it's like a branch of Say Yes to the Dress, but it's called uh, Curvy Brides Boutique. And let me tell y'all, it has seen me through some, uh, just some down, down moments. Um, it is, uh, it's two women who are the, uh, I don't know what they're called. Owner operators. Just no, the, the consultants I think is what they're called. Um, and Alan Joe. And they're just very empowering, empowering and positive. And every woman that comes to those doors, no matter her shape or size, yeah. they have an incredible selection for them. And they make them feel beautiful because a lot of the women that come in there are, are not, you know, they don't even want to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, they have lots of anxiety. And they get a lot of these women, they get into their stories and, and bullying and, and just their self-worth. And it's just such a good show. Um, yeah, I've listened to this show a lot <laughs> while you watch it, um, and it's based in the UK. It is, and that's another. It's another pro. You get to hear these awesome accents, um, well. both of Alan Joe, the consultants. <laughs> I love it. They're from Essex, so they have the real thick Essex. Got the London lock. Anyways, um, it's just so. Uh, it's just a good show for the ladies watching it. It's got the fashion, but it's also got the, the feel good, you know? Because mm. a lot of times you watch the fashion shows and you're like, I am eating a Doesn't taco. <laughs> I'm eating a taco and cake while I'm watching this and I, I enjoy it, but I don't feel good about myself. But this, you get both. You get the best of both worlds. Wow. So you can watch it. I You can find it on YouTube. Do they have a male Equivalent? version? Um <laughs> I don't I want to feel good. I don't know. I want to feel good about myself. <laughs> you just watch. You just watch you Kirby Bryant's routine. Kirby routine. Okay. It's great. Okay, it's, that's it's good. It's just a really great, great I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> I love a good wedding dress show. So, Well, this you is your show, boom. You got to watch it. <gasps> well, I will go ahead and give my top and snots, <laughs> and then Jared can go last okay. today. All right. My snot today is the school crossing guard <laughs> that I pass on my way to work. Girl be giving me mixed signals all the time. <laughs> no pun intended. No pun intended. Uh, so I pull up. Um, you know, she's she has traffic stopped, and I'm second in line. <laughs> so she starts waving. This person, the first person goes, and I start going slowly because we're in a school zone. And so she starts giving me the speed up wave. (laughs) So I speed up, and I I wasn't going the 15 miles yet. So I start going 15. And then all of a sudden, she changes her mind. She's woeing you up. And she's woeing me up, but she's mad about it. What's happening? I don't know, but it, it, I'm saying I'm getting mad about it. Truly mixed signals. Because she just gives me this like, what in the world? You idiot. You don't care about anybody but yourself. (laughs) Slow down. And she just makes this big, like huge, like she's an albatross, like flat. (laughs) Slow down. And I'm like, you built out this whole narrative in your mind about what this woman thinks about you. Well, on my way home that day, I was, I hit school traffic again, letting out school traffic. And I'm like, okay, she is not going to give me the slowdown. So I am going, I set cruise control, the tick under 15, which the speed limit is 15. She gives me the slowdown again. (laughs) It's so frustrating. So anyway, it's not crossing guard. If you're listening to this, you need to hear it. (laughs) You need to to hear this. Fix this. (laughs) Make up your mind. Yes, please. Okay, top. The new Twilight Zones. Mm. Mm. Yes. They're so good. Are they? If you have not watched them, do yourself a favor. CBS All Access. You can watch it for free. Watch as many as you can. So good. (laughs) What's the creator? Um, Keegan? Keegan? I don't remember his name. He's a comedian. Is it Peel or Key? Peel. Key and Peel. I believe it's Peel. 
I don't. It's it's key or peel. He he started <laughs> off as a comedian, but he's doing a lot of yeah, horror, he's doing thriller horror. movies. He did, he did us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Get Out. Um, so, he is on top of the world right now. So is. good. The new Twilight Zones. Anyway, Jared, finish us off. Okay, I'll give you my snots. My snots of late is documentaries. I have a big problem with documentaries right now. Okay, and listen, because I know Ryan is a researcher extraordinaire and a documentary lover. Yes, right up my alley. Yes, but listen, this is not well-made documentaries that I'm talking about. This is not just, you know, your good documentaries. Well-researched. I think I have a feeling of what documentaries you're talking about. Well, they're, I, honest I God, think I, they're I called, several examples. I think they're actually called hit pieces. Hit pieces. Okay, is mm. really? Is there a name for these? Yeah. Okay. I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them. I don't yeah. like anything about them. Because it, this is my thing, though. People watch them, and they're like, this is credible. Let me change my whole life because of right. this documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad move. That is a bad move. That's a bad move. Because the thing is, these documentaries, they're just made by people who think that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I could make a oh, documentary yeah. about something that I feel passionate about. But do I, should you change your whole life because of it? No. Mm-hmm. It's an, a documentary. Anytime, the next time you go to watch a documentary, just think to yourself, this is an opinion. This is not a documentary. Oh, yeah. This is an opinion. I know they say that they researched a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just don't. Don't do it. Yeah. Just don't. Mm. I'm Any sorry. specific documentary you no, want to call No, I mean, out? I'm not going to throw them under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> you know it when you see it. Yeah. You will. I mean, just don't, just stop yourself. Yeah. Don't the, change your life. Documentaries, especially on Netflix, are like, they have one for every single industry, the dairy, the meat. I know. Mm-hmm. Every single one. Toy. And they're like, don't support dairy. Don't support meat. Right. Don't support I know chicken. It. Don't support this. It's like, well, what? I mean, am I just going to eat the potatoes that I grow in my garden? I know. <laughs> and they're probably going to have a documentary about that. Hey, so how you know. shouldn't do that. Home I know gardens it. I know. ruining the economy. Yeah. Here's five people. Their life is ruined because of potatoes in their garden. <laughs> It's great. It's like it would be like the Chick Fil A cow making a documentary about Ooh. why chicken is the best meat Ooh, and how you should never so eat good. cow again. Mm. There's always agendas. It's like yeah, it might be interesting to watch. Yeah, but just it's not mm. research. Okay. Not. Mm. Okay, right. I'll move on. Positive. Oh, a positive is getting me through these days is my chick cam. Oh. Is, exa- is exactly what it's called on my phone, and it is what you think it is. It is no, it, hopefully no. <laughs> it, okay, no. <laughs> okay, I take it back. Anyone that, that knows you, chicken cam. Let me chicken cam, but it's cam. called chick cam on my phone. But I did. I, I had to do it just because I am a well-meaning parent. Oh. Is I had to set up a camera where my chickens are, where their little you know box is. And I get to look at them anytime I want to throughout the day. Wow. Also, I get to talk to them because the camera sure has a healthy. I don't think it matters. <laughs> honestly. I don't think you're a It could be worse. <laughs> there could be other ways I could be, you know, um, coping in this season. But the chick cam is just incredible. It gives me a lot of joy. So what you just Get on there and you look at your chickens just yeah. walking around. Yeah, like I got in the bed last night. I, last thing I do, you know, is just pull up the chick cam, <laughs> and see how the girls are doing. Right? Yeah, but yeah, I do talk to them. Um, you know, sometimes is they try like and a get a baby out. monitor. It's like a baby monitor. Okay, but for chickens, you leave it on all night. Yeah, like you walk, <laughs> like you're listening in case they like cry out or something. <laughs> Do they cry out? Are you trying to insult me? <laughs> no, I want on to the know. Podcast. I want to know. No, what? I don't leave it okay. on. Okay. It's okay. just when I want to, you know, check on them, I, I do. I got you. Okay. But it's incredible. Yeah. So are, where are they right now? They're in our half bath. Okay. So they're inside right now. They're inside. Yes. Okay. Lindsay didn't want them to be in view. She finds it hard to eat chicken meals I with get that. chicks in the room. mm Understandable. Yeah. yeah. But so I had to put do them in the think, half bath. Do you, does she think they'll like no? It's like they there's know probably levels to this. There's probably le- like I just can't do this in their presence. It's like it could have been their mother. We don't know. Mm. So there's you know 
Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm. I, I'm fine. They could be at the table with me while I eat the chicken. Yeah. They like eating chicken. I feed the chickens chicken. Uh, no, that, yes, that reminds me of Lilo and Stitch when she's like, "I'd be an abomination." <laughs> Y'all remember that part? Yes, I do. <laughs> so if they're okay eating it, they're probably okay with me that's eating it. Weird. That's wow. That surprises scary. me that you do that. Just because I know how much you love your chickens, that you would let them eat chicken. I wouldn't let them eat one of my pet chickens. <laughs> This took a weird turn. (laughs) (laughs) There's just levels, and I know it's madness, but my tops is my tops, and you can't take it away. So that's what tops and snots is for. Chick cam all the way. Chick cam all the way. Don't Google it. Please don't. We want to thank you today for joining us at the Not Allowed Podcast. The Not Allowed Podcast is a production of Life Church in Gulfport, Mississippi. For more information about Life Church or to give to this podcast, you can find us at findlife.church. That's F I N D life.church. We'll see you.